Welcome to Son of a Preacher Man with Jonathan Martin, a new podcast that's all about finding beauty and brokenness, grace and grit, God and the ambiguity of the in-between. This episode was recorded at North Shore Vineyard Church in Covington, Louisiana. This episode features special music from Pastor Crispin Schroeder, and this episode also features Jonathan speaking on the topic of the kingdom of God living within you. Enjoy. You are there and I can't figure how to figure 
are my home You are my How's everybody doing? Thank you so much for coming. I um, appreciate, Crispin, you let me do this tonight. You know, I had such a great time preaching here on Sunday. What a, so much fun. Y'all are the best people to preach to. And I said, well, if I'm coming and do that anyway, why not do a little podcast event since we just started this and uh, wanted to connect with some folks. So really appreciate you coming. And Crispin, Faith, that was amazing. Can we give them a hand again? That was really, really beautiful. Those songs were just so extraordinary songs. Um, and they feel like just the right songs for tonight. I don't, um, don't have any aspirations of keeping you long, but I've got some fairly focused things to say, I think. It feels like right now every conversation I have in some ways is the same conversation. And there's such a convergence, I think, of what the Spirit is doing right now. But um, just one verse I want to reflect on for a few moments. Luke 17, 21, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is within you. I would love for just these few minutes that we have just to think about that phrase in particular. I don't, I've never given a talk about it in my life that I can recall. The kingdom of God is within you. I think that there is a way that God is, and this can feel merciless at times, but I really do believe it is the mercy of God. There's this way that God relentlessly is attempting to unpry our hands from anything, everything, anybody that we've grasped onto. And it's painful. Uh, the message on Sunday talked about that with Mary Magdalene, the whole when she, Jesus says, don't, don't hold me now, don't cling to me now. But tonight, I, you know, I'm specifically just thinking about that in the sense that if the kingdom of God really is within us, and I'm not trying to sound like a, a, Calif a California New Ager to you right now. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But if the kingdom of God really is within you, that means everything that we need is right here. It's all right here. And one of the tough things that I feel like I'm in the process of learning right now is that if we learn how 
to allow this temple to be a home for the Holy Spirit, you get to be at home wherever you are. You're not contingent on being any particular place. You're not contingent on any particular relationship working out. You're not contingent on any particular circumstances vocationally falling the right way. doesn't mean that there's not real and even profound pain. But the point is, if God's kingdom is inside of us, everything we need, it's, it's in here. It's in here. And I think it takes so many of us, maybe all of us in a way, a very long time and maybe a lifetime to try to learn that thing. The kingdom's in here. Everything I've got is in here. Because I spend so much life, uh, so much of my own life, I feel like freaking out about things that I don't have from moment to moment. and Where it's going to come from, paycheck to paycheck, uh, week to week, month to month, circumstances. So, so many things. That I, it's, I don't know. I'm just really coming to, to believe this. If the kingdom of God is within me, maybe there really is something of a way that the Holy Spirit wants to loosen us from from all of our attachments because i think the truth is even the things that god has given us to love i'm not saying you know like well just walk away from your family or whatever you know is it interesting like you don't love people well when you cling on to them like when we whenever we grasp whenever out of panic whenever out of need whenever out of our own insecurity that we that we cling on to a person that's not love that doesn't set them free brother sting taught us that years ago if you love somebody set them free but, you know, there's this way that even our loving looks so much like clinging and grasping. It's not love. And that's where, again, I think there's something of the mercy of God just in, like, trying to pry our hands open so their hearts are open, so their minds are open, so that um, eventually the capacity comes to where you could be in any place, be with any person, life shifts, relationships shift, all those things, and yet to still be in, at home in here. That's the goal. You know, I don't know how you will feel about this because it goes so contrary to um, teaching that a lot of us have heard. But I remember being deeply surprised. I wasn't planning to bring up this text, but it's been on my mind lately. Where in John's gospel, that lovely thing that Jesus says that we always use at funerals, when he talks about how, you know, my father's house are, my King James folks will say, many mansions, my NIV and NRSV, et cetera, folks will say many rooms. My King James folks will be offended because you're like, how did my mansion get reduced to a room? But <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to room. <laughs> I'm going to mansion, my own mansion. But the, uh, that, whole, that whole idea, you know, he says that, um, that, that he's going away to prepare a place for us. And my father's house are many rooms or many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you so. This is going to prepare this place for us. And for so much of my life, I thought that was about heaven. And going to heaven when you die. And, and footnote, I really do believe that, you know, in Paul's language, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. And, but, you know, my theology shifted a lot. You know, the prayer that Christians have been praying for 2,000 years is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where the story is really going. No, no distinction between new heaven and new earth. All one reality where God rules and reigns. Thank you for preaching with me a little bit. I need that. Um, that's where it's all going. But, you know, it's like I just think at this point, I, 
I, I really don't believe that text is about heaven in the way that I thought. Uh, I don't think there's anything in the gospel to suggest that home is on the other side of death. I think what Jesus is talking about here, the, the home for us is inside the heart of God. It's the heart of God is the, is the house with many rooms. And the, 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 our, the, the, the coming home is not something that we have to wait for death. I mean, yes, I do think there's a way that kind of on the other side of the veil, a different level of intimacy and closeness. But home is waiting for us now. And so rather than that mentality of like always like, you know, searching and looking to try to find home, if home is waiting for us, and if it is true that in the Father's heart that already, I mean, you, you know this is surely not, about preparing some kind of a physical place. If so, I mean, considering that, <laughs> that might just be funny just then, you know, if God in Genesis speaks worlds into existence, I'd like, you know, probably hasn't taken Jesus 2,000 years to build you a new house. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's, you know, he's still, he's still hammering away right now. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's a carpenter, you know. He's, he's still building your new place in glory, you know. No, you know, God, God, the idea is that our home would be in God, it's in the same section of John that Jesus talks about how if we'll abide in him and his words will abide in us. You know, like there's, we make our place at home inside the Father now in the same way that Jesus and the Father are one. We are supposed to be one now. The same unity that's between Father, Son, and Spirit is now available to us. We can be caught up in that same triune dance of love. It does, we don't have to wait for that. And I don't know. I just think right now for me that's just... My life is in transition. I feel like my life has always been in transition for a very long time, I think. But I'm, I'm starting to, 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 to grasp this, but it's hard because I still, again, I'm still wired to think home is a place or that home is things rolling a certain way. And, man, it's like, uh, no, you know, tomorrow I'll be driving 10 hours from New Orleans to Charlotte, and I'm going to be at home in that car because the presence of God is going to be in that car with me, and that's home. And I felt at home in Covington today, and I'll feel at home at the Lynchburg Revival. Pray for us, y'all, Friday and Saturday. And I'll be at home preaching in a Presbyterian church in Nashville, Tennessee, Sunday morning, you know, wherever I am. And I actually feel like it is something of the severe mercy of God and C.S. Lewis' phrase at work in my life to, to push me into that now. Because I don't think I've ever really been at home in here. I don't think I've ever been really at home in my own skin. I've always thought, like... My happiness, my sense of well-being has always been dependent on something outside myself. What I'm coming to believe is that so long as home and that sense of happiness, well-being, joy, contentment, whatever phrase you want to use, so long as that's outside yourself, you're still not free. You're still a slave to somebody else. If somebody else is home, then if they're having a bad day... <laughs> then that screws up my house, right? And if, 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 uh, if some particular place is home and there is a natural disaster, you know, I mean, I just think I'm saying these things and realizing how hard it is for me because I, I'm a sentimental person. I don't throw anything away. I'm into keepsakes and nostalgia, and I'm very, I'm very sentimental in that way. But I think very much to my detriment because what happens is then, uh, you know, I, I'm always, there's always something outside myself that I'm looking for. And I don't know, I'm, all I'm really trying to say tonight is that I just think that some of you maybe need to hear that in particular. The home, the home is right here. And there is a place that you can come to in God where, and I want to say, and I want to be careful how I say this, 
you don't need anybody in particular. I, that's not to say you don't need people, because we do need community. We need brothers and sisters in Christ. We need camaraderie. We need friendship. Everybody needs people. People who need people. <laughs> like, you know, we do, we, we, we do need people, but we don't need particular people. You hear what I'm saying? We need it. We need a, we need places where we feel safe and loved and all that. But you don't need a particular place. You know, it's like, um, I mean, the whole story of Scripture in a way starts, doesn't it, with God telling Abraham to just pack up and just, just go. And that's so much what the Christian life looks like. God is always in the move. So if we're following God, if we're following Jesus, we're on the move. He's the God of the Exodus. He's always moving. So we're going to follow Him. We're always going to be moving. And it may mean we don't get to settle down quite in the way that we thought, or for as long as we thought. But it, it, at first, it sounds so terrible until you realize that if God, this is really a description of freedom. That's what real freedom looks like. It's coming to a place to where you just, you don't need particular outcomes. Because wherever you are, God is going to be. And so wherever you are, if God is there, that can be home. Whatever place that you're in, whatever, whatever the space, right here, right now in this moment. Because what I'm coming to really believe is that if I can't be at home with God in the car on a road trip, I'm never going to really be at home in a house, no matter how nice it might be. You know, If I can't be at home with God in the midst of a difficult moment, I'm probably not going to really be at, at, at home in the midst of easy moments. You know, that's, isn't that a terrible discovery? How many of you ever had that experience where you, like, you go on vacation somewhere, and isn't it an awful discovery that you can go to one of those beautiful parts of the world, and you still carry yourself with you? And having beautiful, crystal clear blue water does not mean that you're a different person with a different person. You've got the same memories, the, hang, the same hang-ups. I've been mad at the same people in some of the most beautiful places in the world. Still mad at the same people, still nursing the same grudges, feeling that same hurt. I am hiking in the middle of a forest, and I know that that is good for my soul. And why am I thinking about this right now? But I, I mean, I, we're, I, I am with me. My problems are with me wherever I go. So again, coming to that place to see that, like, that home, it's always, it's always right here. When Jesus talks about how the kingdom of God is at hand, the idea is that the kingdom is, is it's, it's within your reach. It's within your grasp. The rule of God, the reign of God, right here, present, right now. And it doesn't require circumstances to work out. Does it require relationships to work out? Does it require promotion at work? Um, I'm not trying to be glib, again, about the fact that some things we deal with are really hard. But I just think if, if we come to that place of really coming to believe that you know, that God is our home and that home is present to us. I just, whatever encouragement that is to anybody right now, I just, I just, I just felt like somebody needed that word in particular. Maybe I'm preaching to myself, I don't know. But I do believe it. I'm, I'm saying this as someone who I feel like has just spent a lot of my time running, trying to, not running away from God. That's not, that's not really uh, been it for me. Some people do. And good luck trying to outrun. You, you do that. David talks about that, doesn't he? You know, where, where can I go? Sometimes I, don't, I think sometimes that's a praise, and sometimes I think it's a bit of a complaint. Where can I go? Even if I make my bed in hell, you're still there. If I take on the wings of the morning and fly to the uttermost part, of the, you're still there. Even there, you're going to be with me. Like, you, you are not going to leave me alone, which is why I think a lot of people's experience with coming to faith is, oh, well, you're not going to let me be, so 
I'll just, I might as well give him. God, God is going to be there. But, I, you know, for me, I don't think it's been so much trying to run from God, but just trying to run to like the next Try to find it. I don't know what it is, but try to find the next place. Try to find the next thing. Try to find the right. Oh, I'm so, I'm so wired for that. And I feel like that's part of why the Holy Spirit has me right now kind of sitting in a season of discontent where there's some things I really want to be settled and clear that I think it's just not time to be settled and clear. Like, you, you know, you, you, you see when it's time to see. But I think right now what God is trying to do gently is liberate me from that tendency to always be running and searching and looking and teaching me the contentment of just being all right to be with God here now in this moment. To be okay with not knowing. To be okay with not knowing exactly what the destination is. Still not know. To, to, to sit in that place and to be all right. And know that we sung that tonight. That, it, that everything really is going to be all right. Doesn't mean everything's going to work out awesome. But it will ultimately, it will be all right. God will make it right. I know this is not an easy or even necessarily encouraging word when you have a situation in your life right now that you desperately need to work. Because like, what, what we want to hear is like God's going to work that out regardless. And God is not necessarily going to work that out regardless. Maybe, maybe not. You know, what stinks, though, and what's so weird is that, and, you know, sometimes like the Abraham situation, I think God calls us to a thing and then provides. We don't really have to give up. But even... Even the good gifts God has tried to give me in my life, you can't even enjoy gifts until you come to that place of not needing and not grasping. Does that make sense? I mean, like, I, I just, I think there have been times and places in my life where God has just wanted me and trust me with certain gifts. I just couldn't handle them because I didn't know how to, like, take a gift without clinging on to it too hard, you know? So then, like, even when you're blessed, quote unquote, and things are going great, you still can't enjoy what you have. Because that restlessness in here is just not settled. So this is, about, this is about freedom. I hope that's encouraging to somebody somehow. Crispin, I wanted you to join me on the stage, if you don't mind. And we've had a, um, we'll just talk a few more minutes. We've had, a, um, we've had such a good day. Uh, we had lunch with another pastor. And then I was on Crispin's podcast, which everybody needs to listen to. That's great. And... Um, we've just been talking a bit about some of our own journeys. I felt like, you know, from the first time we talked, immediately there was such a soul kind of connection thing. This is somebody who I understood and who understood me, which does, I don't know how that, if that speaks especially well of you, but it's a great feeling to feel seen and known. (laughs) And, um, you know, just like I know on Sunday even, and through our talks today, I mean, I've shared a bit of my own kind of journey of, of deconstruction and learning not to cling on and, um, how I found God in the midst of that. I was, I've been really compelled, of course, don't share more than you feel like you, you, know, you could or should, but just as some of your own story of, because I, I do think it's a uniquely lonely and alienating thing when stuff starts to unravel and you're in, we're in that process of having our fingers kind of pried from things that we're grasping onto while in the context of ministry, while you're leading others and you're, you're going through the thick of that where uh, old belief systems are changing and, and old structures are kind of changing and things that before seemed really certain are not. I would love that you just share a bit of what that journey has looked like for you, even the last few years of like of being, of being a pastor, being a leader in a community, and yet hitting that kind of stage of deconstruction in your own journey. Yeah. Um, 
Well, it, it, it is a, it's an interesting thing. I've, I've, I've realized <laughs> I've been doing a lot of reflecting over my life. I'm just feeling like an old dude lately. Um, part of that is because I guess my kids are at the age that they are, and that causes you to, <laughs> it forces you to reflect. Um, but realizing that my kids have been raised, I mean, the, the day that the wrestling for me began with, with the church and God and theology was the day we found out uh, Dina was pregnant with my daughter, Tevia, who's in college now. And I'm like, that was a weird thing to, to realize, like, my kids have been raised in deconstruction. I don't know what that does to you. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I mean, initially we got off to a, a rough start. I mean, we were in a church that was, you know, the more I've watched documentaries on cults and stuff, I'm like, dude, we were in a cult. We were in just a, a, a cult. And, uh, and that, that started me on this journey of, of questioning everything. I, I had experienced God, and I, I wasn't questioning God initially because, I mean, I'm like, I, I, I believed God was real. I experienced God, but um, just got so hurt in the in the in the beginning, and and that that led me on this journey of questions. And um, you know, the many of those questions, uh, I, I encountered God in those questions along the way at different points, and and God has come through. In different ways, but kind of like what you're saying tonight, it's when I look back on my life journey as a Christian, like I've probably had about four transforming moments in the last 25 years that that absolutely changed my life. And each one of those came, the only thing that each one of them was completely different, but what they all had in common was a certain surrender, a certain like, this is the end. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And I can't keep doing this the way that I'm doing. And I think most recently for me as, as a pastor, I, th- I remember um, the Old Testament scholar Peter Enns uh, a few years ago put out a blog where he was getting different seminary professors to uh, post on how they were thrown into wrestling with the scripture because they were studying the scripture, you know? And he was kind of making the point that oftentimes we think that the people who have the biggest problems with doubts are those who are trying to not live accountable to God. But really, it is most often the, the ones who are the most serious about God who, who experience doubt in the most deep kind of way. And, and I think for me, you know, the, when I look over the last few years, uh, I, I think probably a lot of it started for me in, in a big way recently. My, my latest round of, <laughs> of, of wrestling was probably about four years ago. And there were just some things that as I was looking at the scriptures, looking at the church in America, trying to pastor my own church, I'm, I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't make sense of this. And it's never just a matter of answering one question. You, <laughs> you try to answer one question, you get five more. And, and they kind of seem to multiply. And, and really, I'd gotten to the place even where the, the last couple of years, or last year, where um, I think the, the, the struggle of, of having to get up week after week and speak authoritatively mm-hmm. on the scriptures when you don't know what you think about the scriptures 
it narrowed down my messages to about three or four things. You know, really, I, I started doing the lectionary because I couldn't think of anything else to do. I'm like, just get, I, I don't know. I've got, I can't do a series. I can't do, uh, just give me some grid. So the lectionary was very comforting in that process. But, you know, I, re I really did get to a place uh, kind of uh, towards the end of uh, last summer where I was just like, God, I don't know how much longer I can do this because the toll it's taking on me. Um, I, I wasn't consciously aware so much of, of my depression. Um, I'm never consciously aware of a lot of the things that are, you know, until I can, can get a little separation from them. But I did get to a point, and it was really a point of surrender, like, God, if it's going to be like this, I'm going to have to walk away. And I kind of decided in my heart, like, if, if that's what needs to happen, I can do that, which is a hard place to get because it's not just, you know, there, there's so many different things wrapped up in that. It's your community. It's your friendships. Uh, it's, it's my job, <laughs> uh, my income, my family, all that stuff. But I just, I just really got down to a place where God, I can't do it like this anymore. And... If it's time for me to walk away, I, I, I'll, I'll do that. And I'd really got to a place like that in my heart. And it's interesting when I reflect back on the times where God has, has, where I've experienced just transformation in a big way in my life, it's always had that in common. Getting to a point of being able to take your hands off and just say, I'm done here. And it was a weird thing because there was no resolve in it. It's not like it wasn't like it, it's like, OK, I'm done and I don't know where this is going. But back in September, you know, I God really came through in a big way. And I, I felt like I was able to get through this wall, sort of, so to speak, um, that had been standing in front of me for a few years or that I've been trying to get through. And the interesting thing for me, you know, that, that song I, I sang at the beginning, that was the first worship song I'd written in about since all this began. Um, Gene Edwards wrote an interesting book years ago called Tell of Three Kings. And he, and he said something about David. He said that David after he'd been on the run from Saul all these years, he finally returns back to Jerusalem and he said he was a different person. He didn't speak as much. And he sang a different kind of song. And some songs could, could bring you to, to the highest glories, but some would chill the blood in your veins. And that's the interesting thing, I think, when you, when you begin to, to get through something you know, it, it, it's, it's manifest. I mean, for me, like, like even in my, my, my songwriting, and that was the first song that I wrote was like, you know, I don't know how to see sometimes. I don't know how to feel. I don't, I don't, I, I can't make sense of things, but God's in it all. He's in, he's in the questions. He's in the doubts. He's in the struggle, uh, in such a beautiful way. And so it's, it's been, you know, for me coming through that, I found myself in a new place that I've never been in, where now I'm looking back over my entire Christian journey from my earliest days. And I'm really realizing that for all the, this is a PG podcast probably, unlike the extra crispy one. Um, 
for all the junk that I've been through, there's a threat of redemption, and there's a lot of gifts that have been put in, 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 in the whole way. So I, I think the, tent, the temptation, you know, out of the things we experience, sometimes you experience things that are so painful, so hard, you're just like, screw this, I'm throwing this whole thing away. And, and I've been there time and time again, like just going to abandon faith, be an atheist, maybe it'd be easier, <laughs> or at least be agnostic. But... When I look back over my life, even, even the painful time, even being in like a cult and different things like that, I see that God was in that whole journey. And, and, and really, it's that journey that has, there's, there's this crazy thing, and I think it's in Hebrews where it says, Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. I mean, Jesus. Jesus had something to learn. And how did he learn it? The same way, you know, he learned it through going through this stuff. And, but it says that, that we, can, uh, we can boldly approach Jesus as our high priest because he can empathize with us because he knows what we're going through. And I think when, when, I, when I look at all the stuff that I've been through over the years before and even as a pastor, it, as I come through these things, it's God's working compassion in it, you know. And and I, I can I can I can understand better where some other people are. So you know, you one of the I love so much of what you said, but one of the things that really struck me, and I was talking to a friend about this a little earlier, like how I feel like I feel like this is sometimes a hard thing for people of faith to hear and sounds counterintuitive, maybe a little heretical or whatever, but it's like I think until you kind of give yourself permission to, I think there's certain kind of questions of the soul and certain kind of journeys that we go on where it's like we, we're so afraid of what we might see if we look. If we ask the question, we're so afraid of what the answers might be. And so we'll try to like prematurely resolve that conflict or that tension because, you know, I, well, I don't really know where this is going. But the, the weird thing for me is until you get to a place to where you feel like you can follow that process all the way through. I'm not saying you should do this, but until you feel the freedom to walk away, if that's where the path took you. You can't ever really get to a place to where you've fully chosen your faith. There's something really powerful about choosing your own life. Like this sense that I'm not just doing this because I inherited a faith system or whatever. Like, 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 like I'm, I'm consciously choosing this. Um, if the product, if the story of the prodigal son is instructive at all for what, how God fathers us and how, um, I think even spiritual authority is supposed to work when the son comes to him and asks for his inheritance early, which is horribly disrespectful and insulting. And he knows surely that this is going to lead to him making wrong choices. He still gives him the inheritance anyway, because he loves his son enough to give him room for the journey he needs to go on. The father knows the end of that story. He knows that he's going to ultimately come to the end of himself. But the point is he still gets to choose. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I feel like so many times we think that God's holding a gun to our heads. And like, you know, when I walked away from the church, I loved and led for nine years. And no one have to do that. And, you know, I never will forget this. It came down to kind of an epic conversation with God on the cliffs of San Diego when I was on a spiritual retreat and falling apart. And I remember... Just in my heart, just kind of my, my crowd, my was saying to God, like, 
I know you've called me to do this thing, but I don't think I'm going to do I don't think I can do it anymore. And I think I'm just going to have to serve French fries at McDonald's. And I honestly feel like I heard the Holy Spirit say back to me, who says you can't serve French fries at McDonald's? I, I, didn't, I didn't tell you that you have to do this. It was so interesting because I think that was the beginning of walking away. Because for that, at that point in my life, for, that, for my journey to be an authentic one, that's what it was going to take. You know, I, whenever I talk anything like this, I understand that it makes some people nervous because, like, well, what if people make the wrong choice? What if they go down the wrong path? See, here's the thing. Like, my confidence, though, is it in you and your capacity to make good choices. My confidence is in the Lord. <laughs> and my trust is in the Lord. And that's where this comes from, because I think, like, it's only ultimately the kindness of the Lord that brings us to repentance. It's only the goodness of the Lord that draws us until we're fully convinced of the goodness of God and we're choosing our life with God. You know, it's not, it's not fully ours. So I'm not, I don't get nearly so afraid anymore. You know, it's like a, I feel like I keep riffing on this all the time. Maybe I should edit for the podcast because people are like, oh, shut up about the Emmaus Road. But I just keep thinking about it. The two disciples walk away from Jerusalem, the holy city where the temple is, in disillusionment and despair because Jesus has been killed. They thought he was the Messiah. Now they think this whole thing is a sham. And on the road, walking away from God, God is walking with them unannounced. Jesus is there in the flesh. Think about that. God walking with them on the road away from God. (laughs) That's how much confidence I have in the goodness of the Lord. And that's why I think it's just important there again to have that sense of like, hey, if there's some nagging questions, maybe to sit with those a little while longer. If there's, if there's some pain that doesn't feel good, I don't like hearing this more than anybody else, but I find consistently God is so, in the same way I talked about God's relentlessness and like um, unprying our hands for anything we hang on to, I, I feel like there's such a constant of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will start to resurrect, will start to bring pain up when it's time for healing, not punishment. That, oh, these, why, why are all these things coming up right now? Ooh, well, there's, there's some stuff that needs to be healed. So if the Holy Spirit is doing that, I'm trying to get to a place where, okay, the answer then surely is not to try to fast forward through that. Not, not probably means you need to sit with the pain. Because strangely enough, this is how life in the Spirit works. The way that we get, the pathway to God's heart is always straight through, not around our humanity. Not despite it, but like through it. If there's pain, we got to sit with that pain. My friend Krista texted me the other day knowing some of the stuff I was processing and specifically said, and I knew it was the Holy Spirit. Jonathan, you need to lean into your loneliness. Oh. <laughs> Another word, please. I know, right? So give me something else. I'll t- yes, I'll take the next fortune cookie. I don't like this one at all. He said that. You, you need to get more at home in your loneliness. Be at home in your loneliness. Sit with it. Feel that solitude. Feel that. Like, just like, like feel it. Like, be in it. Because, you know, what I'm doing in moments like that, it's like, like i got to call somebody. I gotta, I've got to do something to stop feeling this as quickly as possible. <laughs> and inevitably, whenever I try to stop feeling something as quickly as possible, I end up just circumventing the work of the Holy Spirit. So what some of it comes to, and this does not come natural for a lot of us, I think, is, and especially if our hearts are humble and we're teachable and open, we have to learn to trust our bodies a little bit more, to trust even our emotions a little more. Okay, like, because when something's unpleasant, I'm always saying, like, how, well, how can I get out of this place? Instead of, why am I feeling this this way? What, 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 what might the Holy Spirit want, want to teach me in this? When I get super aggravated at people for no reason, to, to even sit with that, why am I this aggravated right now? 
What, what in me is so off kelter? I mean, that's, uh, you know, there's something the Holy Spirit wants to teach me in that. Like, don't skip too quickly to, well, this is an unpleasant feeling. I just shouldn't feel this. Well, you do feel it. What's that about? <laughs> Please jump in. You know, I, I think it's, as you're talking, I mean, even, even when I think about the prodigal son parable, kind of, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And oftentimes, I think those of us who are inclined to be peacemakers, what we really are is peacekeepers, you know, and we, we, we think that's making peace, but that's not making peace. That's that's actually ignoring stuff. You know, it's uh, uh, we got stuff going on on the inside. We plaster over it. We're like, oh, I'm, I'm good with that. But it's still there. And and maybe even in relationships, maybe with different things, maybe even with God. And, I, and when I look at the, the older brother and the prodigal son, that's a peacekeeper, right. not a peacemaker. Right. He stayed in the house the whole time, but, but when things come down to it, the resentment in his own heart is revealed. He's been in the house, but he hasn't really been at home. You know, I mean, he's been there, and he's been doing everything, and yet... Out of the two brothers, the one who wasted everything, at least he found, you know, at least he came to, at least he made peace. Yes. Yes. And, and I think in that, in that, 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 I mean, there's all kinds of lessons in that, but it, it's better to actually leave the house and go out and ruin yourself <laughs> to make peace with things. To, I mean, to sincerely get down to the, to the heart of the matter than it is to stay in the house and, 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 and even just, you know, dutifully do everything that you think you're supposed to do. And yet you've really never faced anything within. Mm-hmm. And, and what an ugly picture it is. And, and we're all like that at some point. You know, we're, we're, we're all we all stand in that older brother place where we've got simmering resentments and jealousy. And eh, I can't believe this, you know, this person's getting you know, treated so well, you know, after I've done all this stuff, but it's like, well, you, you, you haven't really made peace. You haven't really faced those things. And, um, and, and I think that that's, that's part of the, you know, Richard Rohr, one of his quotes that he's made often is, is, you know, transformation usually only comes through great suffering or great love. I think for most of us, it's actually great suffering, (laughs) but but that, but that's the path because it is in those places where you feel these things. You, 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 you actually, if you will actually face them, listen to them, pay attention, it, it, it can actually be the place where you, you actually receive peace. And the, the elder son, by the end of the story, that's the funny thing. We even that we call it the prodigal son. I remember who said that years ago. But like it's really the story of two lost sons, and, and the weight of the parable really lands on the elder. I mean, the, by the end. The, the prodigal's at, at home, but what we see about the elder is that he's been, in, he's been under the same roof with his father, but never been at home there. Never was. Always, and this is the deep suspicion of all elder sons, if things are good with me and God, if things are all right, well, that's because I'm at least making a good college try at keeping the rules, and that must be why God likes me. I never will forget, this was years ago, but it stuck with me, and it's come back up very recently, where the Holy Spirit... I felt like spoke to me in a way that like what really was heartbreaking because I kind of felt something of God's heartbreaking this. It really asked me the question, Jonathan, why are you still so, why are you still so suspicious of me? And it kind of took me aback because I thought, well, I'm not, you know, my first thing is, well, I'm, I'm not suspicious of, of the Lord. And I know that God, is, no, 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 like, no, you're suspicious of me. And I realized that, that like how much I'm still, 
I really do think that if I ask for bread, that he might give me a stone. I really do think that if I ask for a fish, he might give me a serpent. I still, I, deep down, there's still a lot of that wiring in me. You know, First John talks about perfect love, cast out fear. Those of us who especially, I think, have internalized fear-based systems, I hate to tell you, a handful of messages on grace, aren't, that's not going to get that out of you. Like, that, that is an engine that has to, over time, be taken all the way out of you and replaced with something else. And when it is replaced, by the way, that's really scary, especially when fear has been the main thing that's driven you in your life with God before. Well, if I wasn't scared, why would I, why would I do this? That's a good question. Why, why would you do it? Why are you going to do it now? Well, I mean, if I wasn't afraid and that didn't motivate me to come out to get, uh, get up out of bed and go to the church in the morning, why would we go to church? Great question. Why are you going to church? <laughs> what, it, what is the reason now? <laughs> and I'm telling you, that's my experience. I think God is relentless to get to those particular things, to like to push us into that. Yeah, yeah, why, why, are, you, why are you doing that? It, so if it's not supposed to come out of this place of, of, of debilitating like terror, then, then, then why, why are you doing it? To, uh, until we're at a place of, and I understand that, you know, to a point that won't be maybe to the other side of the veil, but perfect Love. Love is the only motivation. Love is the reason. Love is the reason. Love is the reason we do anything for God or for somebody else. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's all about love. That's the place that we're supposed to get to. But in the process, you know, we're constant things that we're afraid of are constantly being exposed. I just hope, I know I need to, um, yeah, I really should shut this down. I just, uh, I hope this is landing in a good place for, for somebody, especially just like this sense again of just, you know, uh, that's a great, who is that? Deschardins quote uh, about trusting in the slow work of God. You know, trusting, tr- tr- trust in the process. To be in the midst of it and it's still painful and messy and unresolved. But trust that God's at work in that. Trust the spirits at work in that. You know, like I just, I continue to find over and over again. Like there are sometimes, and don't get me wrong, like I, I believe in spiritual attack. And uh, I've still got my own brand of spiritual warfare that I think is real and all that. But I still find, like, usually when things are really restless and stirred up in me, it's far more likely to be the Holy Spirit than anything else. <laughs> and it's taken me a long time to be able to say that. Oh, I like, I just start rebuking the devil and casting things out and, like, whatever. But more often than not, I think, like, the Spirit has a way of surfacing things in me that need to be dealt with and healed. So it's not, it's not so much about, you know, it's not always attack. It's not always, it can be distraction. Not always distraction. There's just more like the, like the Holy Spirit is doing. Like, it's, it's like um, I was talking about the wilderness recently. One of the things I said about that is like every experience I've ever had in the wilderness in my life, my question is always, how do I get out of the wilderness? Or go backtracking, why am I in this wilderness? And I'm trying to get to a place to where instead of asking, why am I in this wilderness? Or how can I get out of the wilderness? How about this question? Where is God in this wilderness. Maybe how you got there is not the most important question. Maybe how to get out, really not the question at all. Because, man, that's, what I, that's where, again, I see the mercy. I don't mean to just go on, but I, I see the mercy of God in this so much. It's like we, if we don't learn what we need to learn in the wilderness, getting out of it will not help us. That's what I'm finally coming to see. Like, I'm just, God, just get me, beam me up, Scotty. That was basically my version of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy king. Beam me up, Scotty. 
Not that kingdom come that will be done. Just get me out of here. Just like snatch me up. Just, just, with, just pull me up out of this. But if I don't learn what I need to learn, if I don't see what I need to see, I'm just going to keep repeating that same pattern over and over. I'm just going to keep going around the same bush. You hear what I'm saying? Like over and over and over again. I'll just keep doing it until I come to see the things that I need to see. So if something keeps coming up repeatedly that I'm ready to be done with, then I have to shift to say like, okay, all right, all right. I'm really tired of this. I'm tired of dealing with it. I'm tired of this <laughs> spiritual game of whack-a-mole. Anybody remember whack-a-mole? Like, down and it's over here and it's over here and I, I'm just I'm, I'm just tired and ready to be done okay Lord what are you what are you trying to show me here why does this restlessness just keep popping up why why can I not seem to get peace here why is this always why are my insides always messy in this way and if you lean into that like Chris told me the day lean into the loneliness oh, that's not a prophetic word if it were God you would say I'm going to deliver you up out of this loneliness. I will send you someone today to, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I want to hear. I don't, don't talk to me about leaning into loneliness. That's awful. But, you know, again, like it's in those lonely places, in those wilderness places. That's, that's where we come to really know God. And to bring this full circle, not to put a bow on it, but coming to our heart's true home in God. <laughs> that's what that looks like. Oh, I don't need anything that I already have. I, it's... Isn't there a lyric about that somewhere from some band that we've heard of? What you don't have, you don't need it now. All that you can't leave behind. What you don't know. I have a little tattoo right here to remind me of this particular fact. What you don't know, you can feel somehow. Like there really is like this idea, like, you know, if you don't have it, then you don't need it. <laughs> and if there's time for more, let me just, uh, let me take this. I would love to just pray over us before we go. And God, I just want to ask specifically, I know that um, just many of your sons and daughters who are here are in the midst of some kind of a season like this where slowly but surely you are unprying their fingers from things that they've held on to. And God, I just pray tonight, first and foremost, that they would, that they would glimpse even for a moment of just your grace at work in that, God, that maybe some things that we were trying to nail down and stabilize, maybe it wasn't time for it to be stabilized. Maybe it wasn't time to be settled down. Maybe, Lord, there's still things that, um, that you need to shift and move and shape in us before anything is settled, before anything is set. So, God, as hard as this is to say sometimes, Lord, I, just, I thank you even for the gift of that restlessness that, that keeps... That, that keeps us for, from settling for anything less than being at home in you. Now, admittedly, we've tried to find it other places, and we've searched outside ourselves, all around us, to try to complete you know, what only you can complete. But I just pray, God, that you would, um, even tonight, you would just allow your peace to settle over us and into us, to know that you are present with us in the loneliness, and you are present with us in the pain, and you are hovering over us in these untidy spaces, in the chaos that's swirling, your, your spirit is, is hovering, coming to bring life, coming to bring hope, coming to bring something new. Thank you, Lord. So I just pray, God, instead of trying to fast forward or escape or find a way out, let us sit with you in this space. Let us trust that you are with us and that you're for us.
storm and the flood Though my dreams suffer harm There's a rock that will not be moved Though my eyes blur from tears And the cries burn my ears There's a rock that will not be moved Not be hope you enjoy today's podcast. Like an LP, each episode is divided into side A and side B. Side A could be a sermon, a conversation with a guest, but will always introduce some idea. 
Side B will always be a creative exploration of that idea through music, question answering with listeners, or quirky rabbit trails off of Side A for people who want the deep cuts, not just the singles. No matter who you are or where you come from, we hope this podcast will be a resource in helping you come to know the love that calls you by your true name. For more, go to jonathanmartinwords.com and sign up for our email list. Have a good day.